Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Show. I'm your host, Jeremy Fake. The only show focused on Office 365 development, where I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Welcome to episode 38. As usual, I'll do a quick weekly update and we'll jump straight into the show with Bill Bear this week. Really exciting show. He's talking a lot about SharePoint Server and the future there. So first one is actually from a very good friend of mine um, in Perth. We actually worked together, believe it or not, in my first job straight out of university um, in Australia, a place called Pretzel Logic. And originally he was an IT pro and um, he moved over time into more of an architectural role and, and beating up developers on kind of governance and best practices. And he has a great app that he's built that works with SharePoint around mind mapping. So you should definitely check that out on his blog. But um, as he's been learning the app model to build this app, he's actually gone and put down all of his thoughts on what the app model is and kind of the pros and cons and what it means to a business user and the benefits of it and different bits and pieces. So definitely go and check out that blog post there. So it's Paul Combs's uh, cleverworkaround.com. He's been blogging for a long time in this space and um, does tend to go off on copyright tangents with his images and he um, always tries to wrap it around a story. So it's always a good fun post to read. So definitely go and check out Paul's stuff there. And actually his app is called Glimmer if you wanted to check that out too. And then again, we mentioned Mordek pretty much on every show. Um, I, I really don't understand where he gets the time to do this with a, uh, a newborn or a one-year-old at home now, I think. He's written about some Node.js stuff. He's been building some Node.js stuff for us so we can open source it so that we have some stuff going around Node, around the Office 365 APIs. So it was really nice of him to kind of put that together. And as he's been learning it and as he's bumped across some errors, he's been blogging how to get around some of those errors. So definitely worth checking that out if you're doing any Node.js work at all. I know Andrew Connell is doing some stuff in this space as well. And also Jason Johnson, who's in the Exchange team, um, he's actually done a blog post on um, wrapping the Office 365 APIs with an SDK. So he shipped that onto GitHub um, and he's written a nice blog post around it. I've added this to the code samples that are available on dev.office.com, so please go and check that out. Jason's been doing some great work around on the documentation from an exchange perspective as well, and um, it's been really cool to see him build on top of these new language platforms from our perspective as well. And then also an interesting one here from uh, Vesuvan, who has been kind of spearheading the patterns and practices initiative of late. We've released some changes into the client-side object model into the March 2015 CU for SharePoint 2013 based on feedback on user voice. And uh, he's actually documented what those are uh, and what, what's new there. So it's definitely worth keeping in track with that. We are working still on a change log, which will be available on devgoffice.com. We're just not quite ready to ship that yet. But for now, we're doing that the best way we can through um, kind of our experts in the field with people like Vesa. Also, you may have noticed I tweeted um, on my jthake handle on Friday last week um, I finally managed to get up a new patterns and practices landing page. So if you go to dev.office.com and click on resources in top nav and um, click on patterns and practices, we now have kind of sub-navigation for sample scenarios, solutions and guidance, as well as kind of links off to all the latest news from the patterns and practices bloggers. We kind of mentioned the latest samples and the blog posts that Fessa does for monthly updates as well as all the hands-on labs and the training that we have on demand and various kind of nugget videos that walk through those samples. 
And the nice bit is, is as we're growing more guidance documentation now, we link to the MSDN docker, which is the official kind of polished version of it, as well as the GitHub version of it, which is kind of the working progress by the community. So we've got a really good relationship going with the community, sharing their content and best practices, and then our content publishing team actually polishing that and making it kind of ready to be published on MSDN. And, and that cycle keeps going back and forth. And then all the previous recordings of the community calls and the podcasts that I've done with the members of the Patterns and Practices team. We'll continue to evolve that page, but we got a lot of feedback that it was hard to navigate through all the samples and hard to know what was coming from PMP um, if you missed the community call. So I'm hoping that will help with that new landing page there. I do still need to get rid of some of the Finglish on the homepage. Myself and Vesta have a good laugh around the fact that he's the kind of the brains deving all the time and I'm the one kind of making it readable to um, the rest of the world. But um, it's been a great experience working with him and, and the rest of the PMP team. And we will actually have photos of everyone up there soon, um, which is quite funny. They've been sending their profile photos through and some of them seem to be sending photos from like 15 years ago as if this is a, a dating site that they're trying to find some click-throughs on. Um, so I've, I've actually rejected their photos and asked for more up-to-date photos, which are a little bit more realistic. So we'll have some fun with that in, um, in future posts as well, I think. Anyway, we'll jump straight into the show. This is a great show for anyone that's been existing in SharePoint and wants to know some nuggets around this stuff. So I hope you enjoy it. And next week, we have some great other people on from Zhao Ying on the Visual Studio uh, team who talks about the API sandbox. And um, also, we're going to get going, grab some more engineers to talk about some other bits and pieces that are coming out around the Build and Ignite timeframes as well. So it's an exciting time to be kind of jumping on the engineers and questioning about these things. So enjoy the show and I'll speak to you next week. I'm here with Bill, Bill Bear, in his office in Building One. I think this is only probably the third or fourth time I've actually been in your office. Mm -hmm. When I first joined Microsoft, it was kind of like, oh, I'm going to see heaps of Mark Cashman and, <laughs> and Bill, who I've worked with a yeah. lot when I was in my MVP days no. and consulting days, but we've just all been too busy. So uh, welcome to the show. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> He's <laughs> so excited to be yeah. here. You've been in meetings all morning, right? I have. So who is Bill? Bill is a guy in our SharePoint product group who focuses on, talking about myself in the third person, <laughs> who focuses on on-premises hybrid and migration on a day-to-day -day basis. For SharePoint? For SharePoint. Okay. And what you've been in this, not particularly in that role, but you've been in around these traps for a long time, right? Yeah, I spent my first couple of years in an engineering role, uh, shipped 2003, 2007, 2010, before I moved into product management yeah. for 2013, and now our upcoming release. So. And how have you found that change? Because a lot of people ask me, like, what's the difference between being in the kind of the program management role compared to a almost like a product manager role, what would, what would you say were the key differences? Uh, I think for me, when I first looked at the the product management role, it was try, seeking out an opportunity to influence the product. Yeah. You know, when you're on the other side of the fence, you you look at investments that you're working on that you own, you know, a feature set, whatever it may be. And what you tend to find is, you know, you, you think in the back of your head there may be another way to do this mm -hmm. or you talk to a lot of customers and you see things that they want, but it's not things that you're building. So, you know, product management looked like a great opportunity to be able to influence some of the way that the product was designed and developed as yeah. opposed to just taking a spec and building towards it. So, you know, the other part that I tell people is it's not binary. It's not a 
black and white experience, you know, the, the, your impact, the way it's measured is, is completely different. You know, in the development world, you're familiar with, if it compiles, great. If it doesn't, then you know you have a problem. But on the product management side, it's, it's very hard to measure the end result, at least in the near term. You know, it's, it's setting out a longer term vision and then working across that, working to influence the product, working to influence the developers, the PMs. But, you know, it's definitely fun and you have budget. It's something, <laughs> right? something, something else you don't have. <laughs> and um, we're sitting in your office, obviously your wall is absolutely littered with speaker um, lanyards, which has definitely influenced me. I've started doing it as well, but you're way ahead of me in the game. Like there's some pretty old conferences down here. Yeah, I think. Um, how far back do these go there? Uh, these are. This is actually only a collection from 2006. Yeah. And I keep forgetting that people can't see this, but yeah. uh, like this, is, this is one that, that you'll appreciate. So this was the uh, Office Developers Conference 2006. That was in Australia, wasn't it? Uh, that was uh, that was a long time ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was that was, actually, that was my first conference I ever went to that was Microsoft Run. Yeah, that was actually the first conference I ever went to. Yeah, far out. And then it just kind of, it kind of grew from there. Yeah, just went crazy. Yeah, it's like organic. And then, you know, like from a, a SharePoint server perspective, I mean, you mentioned 2003, yep. 2007, uh, mm -hmm. you know, 2010, 2013, and then obviously now this SharePoint yep. Online thing that's mm -hmm. evolved from BPOS to Office 365. And, you know, recently with a, we've talked about the evolution of SharePoint mm -hmm. with 2016. Like, historically, how has that evolved from a dev perspective, in your opinion, like, specifically as a, a platform? Because I think that was really a lot of the success in SharePoint was in the fact that it, it was something that you could use as a base to build. I can remember how kind of small it started. So if I look back to, to when I first started with SharePoint, this was shortly after kind of the convergence of, of Platinum, and which was a code name for the Exchange Web Store, and Tahoe, yeah. which was our kind of messaging and collaboration tool that, that another team was working on. And, you know, I kind of came on board shortly after that convergence to, to, to land Portal Server 2001. And really the, the developer story back then was based on this concept of nuggets, which we now call web parts. Right. So, you know, many people didn't know we referred to them as nuggets. That was kind of the name that we had for them. I'm before, glad we got rid of that. Yeah, before they became, <laughs> before they became a web part. So, and really we saw that as, as you know, the first step in in extending a platform. You know, we started to realize a platform vision and focused less on this like messaging and collaboration store that was, you know, a railed experience. You really had no flexibility. So Nuggets kind of came in to add a layer of extensibility to the story. And then we looked at digital dashboards. So for people that can remember the digital dashboard resource kit, we kind of saw that as the first step in building a developer platform. And then by the time we got to 2003, we got hyper-focused on this, this server OM concept, uh, you know, and people just started building stuff using FTC and it exploded yeah, it from, there. from there. And then it kind of contracted. So, you know, as the industry started moving closer to the cloud, we started moving in a direction to enable people to, you know, follow us on that journey. And it started with, you know, sandbox solutions um, or user code, and then it evolved into the cloud app model. And you know, the cloud app model sat for a while before we started investing in a broader kind of API around Office 365. And, you know, it's it's been this constant evolution of trying to, to meet the demands of customers on both sides of the fence. Those that need 
you know, full trust investments to drive business processes that they can't do in the cloud, but at the same time, building a cloud app model that works across both on-prem and the cloud to enable people who are ready to make the transition from, you know, point A to point B. Yeah. Looking forward, you know, I, I, you know, you can anticipate us doing more of that, trying to help people that are ready to move or, or ready to start leveraging the cloud and some of its innovation to, to have like a consistent story across both. And, and so the hybrid story, we yeah. really started hearing about that with the SharePoint 2013 release. And, you know, we've talked about it a bit with the 2016, but what, what's the vision there? Like we, we assume that there will be customers on-prem for a, a long time to come on and with the SharePoint service specifically. And so are we, that you know, we talk about this cloud innovation, but what's the flow of kind of bringing that stuff back to these guys that are, who are using SharePoint server? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think, I think it's important to kind of stay, take a step back <clears throat> and look at our hybrid story overall. In 2013, we we started this hybrid journey, this concept of split deployments. And at the time, it was more of a means to mitigate a pain point around migration. Yeah. So migration tended to be these long phase drawn out processes and customers started to realize that it resulted in two distinct data silos. You had information on prem and you had information online and you really had no way to rationalize that information. So we came up with this story around hybrid search. Um, to pull that information together, to provide that single pane of glass, you know, unified discovery through federated query. And that kind of answered, I have content in two places, how do I have visibility into both um, without having to search both? You know, they wanted kind of a simultaneous engine to, to see information across both silos. Yeah. So we did it to mitigate migration challenges. And then we had a business connectivity services, you know, and that was another common ask, which is I integrate my on-prem deployment with um, line of business software behind the firewall. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, how do I how do I attack those proprietary data stores when I'm in the cloud? So business connectivity services became a hybrid investment. But if you think about what it was designed to do, it was really built around this premise of migration. Now hybrid is being designed in a way, the way that we think about it is that it shouldn't be designed around migration. It be, should be designed about bringing value back to your on-prem data center. Yeah. So like you said, we know customers are going to be on-prem for the foreseeable future, but we don't want to look at those customers as being left behind. Yeah. What we endeavor to do is bring that innovation back to them in one way or another, and hybrid is the best way. If you think about stuff like the office graph that requires an inordinate amount of compute that we can't deliver on-premises, but we think you should still on-premises have that value available to you. So it's more of subscribing to a capability mm -hmm. from your on-prem data center. And you know the development model is going to take that, that same approach, which is really cloud-down innovation. Yeah. So you can think about stuff that we've done um, over the past you know, couple of months, even the past 18 months. So you know, the broader API around Office 365, common consent, subscription apps, all of those things are things that we look at. Uh, as part of SharePoint 2016 that, that we look at and say, how can we bring this back on-prem to provide our developers a consistent experience, you know, whether developing on-prem, developing in the cloud, or they're developing to extend capability from cloud to on-prem or on-prem to cloud. So, so there's been, a, I guess, like a mindset change in engineering from a, we're reacting to a migration demand and, mm -hmm. you know, okay, we'll do this to help customers move to a, we realize that now this scenario does exist where server and online are going to 
almost coexist, I guess. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's been a, the Convergence story has been around longer than most people think. We've, yeah. you know, we've had a cloud-based SharePoint offering here at Microsoft since early 2004 in the form of Microsoft Managed Solutions. Right. And, you know, that was around the same time or shortly thereafter, you know, that we were shipping SharePoint Portal Server 2003. By the time we shipped SharePoint uh, Server 2007, you know, we had the Microsoft Online Services offering, and, you know, most people remember that as BPOS. As we move forward now, we have Office 365, the new Office, which shipped, you know, kind of in concert with SharePoint 2013. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the way that we innovated, that we took cloud as kind of a key starting point of innovation with SharePoint 2013. And there's a ton of stuff in there that most people, you know, generally don't interpret as like cloud innovation that came back to on-prem, but examples of which is machine translation is a cloud-based translation service that exists, or it exists in a way that you can leverage it from SharePoint 2013, or OAuth and server-to-server authentication. All of those are cloud investments that that you know kind of made themselves available to our on-premises customers in 2013. So there's been this convergence over time. Yeah. It probably hasn't been as you know tangible as you know in previous releases as it was in 2013, but you can see us doing more and more of that moving forward. So you know while we may say hey we've learned a lot from operating SharePoint at scale as part of Office 365, which means from an IT perspective there's going to be a ton of benefits that accrue to you. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean we stop there by saying the information worker and the IT are going to gain value from the knowledge and experience we have from operating SharePoint as part of a service, but that also accrues back to the developer who you know, has questions about how should I think about development moving forward. Right. And you know, much like hybrid, I think the answer to that question is, is we don't want you to think about how to develop moving forward. We just want you to develop moving forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so basically where you develop becomes abstract. You know, whether it's on-prem, in the cloud, or somewhere in between through hybrid, you know, we don't think from a development perspective you should have to define a target as yeah. much as you should just build something. And that something should live, you know, in a number of different places. So we're taking a lot of those dev investments that your team has been working on and, you know, looking at what we can bring back to add value to on-prem. And, you know, even things like the APIs where we've been improving client-side object model in yep. SharePoint, you know, that's been rolled out in cumulative updates and mm-hmm. service packs as, you know, as, as quick as almost a month to two months timeframes mm-hmm. of pushing those user profile updates out and uh, various different like CSS and site logo type things of all, all on-prem as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to Vesley even this morning and he was saying about the uh, the name site collections and we had to provision those using the tenant API on-prem. You know, those right. things are stuff that was in demand in Office 365, but we've rolled those things and pushed those back into that on-prem world. I definitely think, you know, there are improvements that engineering are aware of around not having to make a decision. At the minute, there's certain things you have to kind of really decide mm-hmm. when you're building, especially provider-hosted apps, mm-hmm. on-prem versus online right. in terms of where things run and, and whatnot. But it's good that the engineering teams are thinking about this so that you're right, the, the agnostic bit of it, who cares where it runs, whereas mm-hmm. in the minute there are definitely a few decision points you have to make. Yeah, and there's still going to be some decision points. So, you know, one of the big questions that we get a lot is around, oh, and by the way, it's pronounced VESA. <laughs> so, uh, I'm just doing for lunch. Right? Yeah. So there's a couple of decision points that developers will still need, need to make, but I think what we're going to try to do is from a strategy perspective and the way that we think about development and the next generation of SharePoint and even be moving beyond is, like I said, one of the, one of the things is really abstracting where you're developing for. That's kind of 
you know, a facet of of what we endeavor to do. But the other thing as well is if you think about traditional development, such as, you know, FTC, you know, the biggest question is, is what happens with FTC? If you're talking so much about, uh, you know, endeavoring to bring cloud innovation back to on-prem, even in the space of developers, does that mean that, you know, FTC is is going to be one of those things that that doesn't get advanced or, you know, becomes deprecated or, you know, tends you tend to move away from? And, and you know, the, that that kind of sentiment could be further from the truth than anything else because, you know, the way that we look at FTC is from the beginning of SharePoint all the way through to where we're at today, one of the key things that has defined what it is is not only the value and the sum of all of its parts, BI, you know, enterprise content management, record records management, enterprise social, all the different things that we built into the product, but it's also defined by its extensibility. You know, that's been kind of one of the key things is I've seen customers pick up SharePoint and not provision a single workload as much as they have used it as an extensibility platform. Credit team site and gone with that. Yeah, and gone with that. And so, you know, that's one of the things that we know. And, and that's kind of the history of SharePoint and one of the unique values that it presents. So we don't anticipate in any way, shape or form abandoning FTC. Right. And what you'll likely find is you're going to have kind of a broader... Uh, server OM available to you because there's going to be a whole new set of APIs now um, yeah, yeah. from an FTC perspective. I think what you're going to have to understand is, you know, when do I use FTC mm-hmm. versus, you know, when when do I use, you know, any of the new investments that you're going to make? And I think that decision is going to be based on, you know, what do you endeavor to do? So our, our objective is to give you that flexibility and choice. Yeah. And I think, you know, with the uh, app model, we're seeing I guess we, we've been pushing it pretty hard in the last year since our team kind of got reformed, mm-hmm. but um, the, it, we're starting to see the fruits of the labor now and people realizing that there's a lot of benefit in going to the app model due to the skill sets and the, the flexibility in the platform. There's still obviously certain things that have to be done with FTC. Um, and, you know, again, we're, we're the patterns and practices stuff that we put together um, certainly helps there. But I think you're right, there's, there's always going to be that case where FTC makes sense, especially for mm-hmm. existing stuff that's out there in in large enterprises right. where they're not going to rewrite the whole thing as the app model just in case they ever go to the cloud, for instance. Yeah, I think a great example of which is, you know, you have an on-prem customer that's leveraging SharePoint as a search facility. So, you know, they're leveraging it basically for one workload, which yeah. is to facilitate enterprise search, the crawling file shares, third-party stores. Uh, maybe there's a little bit of content in SharePoint, but it's largely a search farm that they've deployed. And, you know, a great example of, of an FTC scenario there is they need a custom security trimmer. Yeah, right. So there is a great example of when you would use FTC. Mm-hmm. Um, if you needed to build something like like that, um, you need to do some security trimming against some repository that has, you know, some unique identity model that you need to try to interpret when you're presenting results. Whereas opposed to if you're doing something from a branding perspective or, or you know, something that the app model can facilitate as much as possible, you should be mm-hmm. moving in that direction. Um, it'll, you know, it enables us to take you on this journey with us. But we understand that there's going to be those scenarios that you need FTC, and particularly for partners um, that are building solutions that yeah. you know a lot of those require. Well, leveraging the store and the ecosystem yeah. we grow there, you know, the acquisition process is yeah. a lot easier for that than it would be with FTC yeah. of parts for sure. And, you know, at the end of the day, SharePoint still is a, a development platform. And I think that's kind of the key thing to differentiate between the two as well. So in Office 365, SharePoint isn't delivered as a platform. It's delivered as a set of point solutions that are designed to address an end user's needs. Right. So discovery is 
Delph. Uh, data mobility is OneDrive. Enterprise social is Yammer. Um, digital media is Office 365 video. All of them have a basis in SharePoint, but we don't deliver you know, SharePoint as a platform as much as we deliver its capabilities, whereas on-prem we deliver SharePoint as a platform. Yeah, and I think that's all the rumors of SharePoint being dead is that we don't, you know, I guess the railed experiences you hear a lot about is, you know, yourself and Mark and Jen talk about those things, but that's oh, really key, right? You don't talk about railed experiences? You're Mr. SharePoint? Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, the ones you mentioned, it's key that we're pushing those as opposed to talking more about SharePoint Online as a platform, I guess, that you used to do a lot of those things, but you'd have to build them yourselves, I guess. Yeah, and I think if I think if you, you step back and you differentiate between the two, it really helps you from from a development perspective as well, because a lot of developers see SharePoint Online, they see SharePoint, yeah. and the natural reaction is, is I'm going to continue to build in the way that I've always built, yeah. um, only to find out that you can't. And I think if you differentiate between what these two things are, mm-hmm. then you know when you when you set about to building something, mm-hmm. you're building it in the right way for that platform. I think it's the especially in the cloud with the federation of Azure AD. You know, being able to leverage web timer jobs and, you know, web servers and, and you know, the service bus and yeah. mobile services, those things, people start to, on SQL Online as well, people start to question, well, hang on, why, why am I using SharePoint for X, Y, Z scenario that typically you would have used for SharePoint Server, um, but now you've got these other options in Azure as well. And I think that's, it's opening up a whole kind of new experience there for kind of cloud developers as well in that sense too. Yeah, there's 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 a different array of technology that you're going to use to to address a need. Um, you know, it's it's leveraging a data factory or a pipeline versus building one. Yeah, you know, yeah. is one of the key. So, 2016. Can you tell us anything? I know we're um, we're, we're trying to hold off right now because obviously there's this big event that yeah. none of us are focused on at all. Like no one right. mentions this kind of big conference that's coming right. up in May, but. Is there anything you can share with the audience? Wow, I'm that's, sure they've all read the blog post. Yeah, and that's a, that's a difficult one because I, I think I think from the outside looking in, there may be an expectation that you know somewhere inside of my head I have a ton of stuff to share about 2016, <laughs> and I'm just holding it until I can spit it out in May <laughs> at Ignite. And you know, as as much as that would be great from you know just kind of creating a moment around the product perspective, the 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 reality is 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 that today, you know, we're not, you know, sitting here in a position to where we can like share detailed investment yeah. areas. And, you know, the beauty part ended up being that by the time we could, it would line up well with Ignite. So right. kind of, you know, the Ignite decks that I'm working on for my sessions, all seven of them to date, seven. are yeah, are really they're they're evolving like each week as we make more and more decisions. You know what what we can say is one of the things we talked about at like SPC, um, both SPCs, both most recent SPCs, twelve and fourteen, was we're going to look to the cloud to bring value to on prem. Yeah. And you know Jeff Jeff had said that, but you know don't interpret that as everything is going to come back to to on premises. You know where we can, we're going to look at cloud innovation and try to bring that back to your on prem data center. But that's not inclusive of everything. And he gave some great examples like Yammer, which was kind of a cloud-born product. It's right, always right. going to live in the cloud. Whereas scenarios like Delve is one I think we've been rather transparent on, is that we want to bring that to our on-premises customers through but hybrid be, implementation. Yeah, so you'll be running in the cloud, but you'll be able to, the server will be able to talk to it. So you can think of it as almost 
you know, workload as a service, yeah. just to add another acronym to the whole. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Right. Just so, you know, that's kind of the way, that's kind of the way I think of it is, it's kind of, think of hybrid as workload as a service, which yeah. is, hey, I want predictive analytics and machine learning. Mm-hmm. I'll subscribe to that capability to leveraging SharePoint 2016. We did it with SharePoint 2013 in OneDrive. Right. You know, I want data mobility. And what we're going to do is, you know, today from a hybrid perspective, there's a lot of visible seams when your users transition from on-prem to the service. Yeah. You know, as we move forward, our goal is to to make those seams less apparent mm-hmm. and really stitch together an experience to where the information worker doesn't necessarily care where something's running. Right, they right. just there's ubiquitous for them in that sense, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, one of the things that we can say is we're we're hyper focused on cloud down innovation, looking at those opportunities to see what we can bring back. We're equally focused on hybrid and you know that may beg the question of well what is what does that mean for unique on-prem value and i think the way you should think about it is you know as as we work through the development cycle one of the easy things to figure out is what exists in office 365 that we can bring back to on-prem that's easy because it's a tangible object we can look at and determine whether or not we can bring it back to on-prem yeah another question is is okay hybrid well the hybrid decisions are are based on that first decision. Mm. So hybrid's based on, we know what we can bring back. We know what we can't bring back. What can we turn into a hybrid experience that we can't bring back? That takes us to the third phase of development, which is now what unique on-prem value can we build? So it's basically, you kind of start with the low-hanging fruit um, and work your way up the tree. And that's, you know, the way we're thinking about 2016. And by the time we work our way up the tree, that's going to lead us to the Ignite event to where we'll be able to talk about... uh, you know, more of those detailed investment areas. I think the moral of the story is from an IT perspective, I think you're going to be super excited about uh, 2016 because we've learned a ton about running SharePoint um, that we didn't know before. We learned, you know, the pain points around upgrade, not only just from a pure, you know, data upgrade perspective, but even apps and customizations. We've learned a ton around operating at scale. We've learned a ton around high availability. We've learned a ton around performance. And, you know, you can see some of those changes occurring today. If you think about, uh, like, the sync clients that, you know, you use for OneDrive for business, all of those sync clients in the past were based on, like, file synchronization via SOAP over HTTP. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a proprietary protocol that we have. If you look at, like, the iOS sync client, you know, our most recent one, it uses BITS, so it uses Background Intelligent Transfer Service as its, you know, mechanism or its protocol of choice for point A to point B data transfer. So we're learning a lot about performance. We're learning a lot about running at scale. So IT is definitely going to be pleased. On the developer side, we, you know, understand that, you know, we have customers that want to split their deployments, but they want a common development experience. So that's one of the things we're looking at. Um, I think as we get closer to Ignite, we'll have probably a more, you know, better view that we can articulate a little bit better around detailed investment areas. But, you know, I, I think the key thing to understand is SharePoint 2016 is going to be representative of a ton of stuff that we've learned and a ton of feedback that we've received, um, you know, the user voice feedback. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of it's been applicable in your space to, you know, cloud development, we're learning a lot from that. Yeah, because because we have user voice from development all up on 365, yeah. but you have your own user voice specifically for yeah. SharePoint, right? Yeah, and it doesn't mean that we don't look for, for development all up sure. across Office 365 because yeah. what we're trying to understand is what do these patterns look like? Yeah, yeah. You know, what are people asking for? And then what we're doing is drawing 
drawing the lines between the two because a lot of them can be connected by a direct line where others it's just a dotted line. Yeah. It's the same challenge that somebody's facing and on-prem and online are addressing it in two different ways. So how do we pull those two together to where we have a consistent approach to answering two different questions? Yeah, yeah that makes sense. And so you have seven sessions at Ignite. I do, I have. Are, uh, they, are they public and yeah. they're all listed now? Yeah, we're going to talk about... Uh, running SharePoint 2016 on the next generation of SQL Server. Yeah. It's going to be a pretty cool session because it's basically running vNext on vNext. <laughs> yeah. So um, doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. Um, That's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, we have a hybrid pre-day. Yeah. It's going to be pretty cool. Um, we've got uh, we've got Saml Man, Mr. Steve Peshka. Oh, is okay. Yeah, he's going to be there, so you're going to learn a ton um, from Steve. Not as much as you'd learn from me. Because, <laughs> you know, Steve has been a good protege today. Um <laughs> There is, uh, we have two sessions on 2016, kind of an overview. One of them is the evolution. So we're going to talk about how we think about SharePoint moving into 2016 and beyond. Cool. So it's a great session if you're one of those people that are kind of looking at SharePoint and saying, what's going on with it? Where is it going? We're going to tell you where it's going. Um, So it's kind of an overview of 2016 as well as an evolution beyond. Uh, We have like an IT pro session on 2016. We'll also talk about some of the dev investments in that session. It's just that's the way it ended up in the session catalog. We have one on hybrid business connectivity services, data connectivity, management gateways, all those things is one of the ones that I have. And then I've got this uh, pretty cool Office Graph MVP panel. We've got Chris Givens. We've got Waldeck. We've got a ton of people in that one. It's going to be really fun. I've got a T-shirt gun sitting right behind you. You do. Right there. Ton of T-shirts and boxes. Sweet. Over there. So it's going to be a ton of fun. I got a fog machine. So it's going to be one of those. It's going to be like a rave in the session. Yeah, it's going to be kind of of like a rave. (laughs) (laughs) And that's just, uh, they're going to demonstrate what they've built on the graph. and. Yeah, so basically it's kind of an opportunity. It's almost like a Shark Tank type of idea where you've got got a a fixed amount of stage time to where you can present your solution to the audience, talk a little bit about it. I'll be there to ask you some questions, yeah. most likely completely unrelated to <laughs> whatever it is that you're building. Just, just to throw them off. Yeah, just, just to throw them off. But it's going to be a pretty cool session because you're going to get to see four unique ways that, right. that people have leveraged the graph. And I think the way that people look at like the graph today is they're like, okay, there's this thing called GQL, right? yeah, which right. is kind of like this extension of the existing search REST API. And you know, they're using that to, to build graph experiences. But I think what you're going to see is Graph data doesn't have to revolve around content in Office 365. Um, mm-hmm. You know, graph data can you know provide insights to a number of different things. Um, so you probably see some mobile apps. You know, everybody's excited about wristwear today, right? That's like the most common wearable. Yeah, this, apparently there was something about the Apple Watch yesterday. I, don't, I didn't really get that announcement. Uh, I <laughs> didn't pay a whole lot of. Uh, I, I can't see myself forking out ten grand for a gold one just quietly, but. Yeah, I can't kind of see wearing one of those anyway. Just to, just to, just to kind of throw throw this one at you as, as as a thought is, I remember when I was in school, and there was that kid that wore the calculator watch. Yeah, yeah. Now they're cool. Yeah. So yeah, and and everybody kind of looked at him and said, "Your watch like does math and has <laughs> alarms and, dude." And now everybody wants to wear one. Yeah. Um, and it's it's almost like cell phones. I was gonna do like a comparison of <laughs> of cell phones when you used to carry around like that thing that came Sorry, in a bag with the aerial and the suitcase. But if you think about phablets today, <laughs> there really is 
they're getting bigger again. So you kind of went. You went purchase it for the investment in ten years' time when it's cool to go retro. Exactly. Everything. Everything kind of. Kind of. You know. We always look back to the past, you know, <laughs> to do something in the future. So you see, actually, you see a lot of those Casio data bank watches. People, especially yeah. in the development, in the engineering yeah. buildings, you see that. You even saw there was a thing about the Walkman coming back as an MP3 player. You Is know, that right? Sony Walkman, so it's got the same look, shape, and feel. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of making its way back as a cool as thing. As long as the Discman doesn't, because yeah. there's nothing worse than running no. with a ski, yeah. CD skipping all the time, right? Headphones. You know, like, yeah, that's not all their age. I mean, every, yeah. you know, everybody wore those, and then the earbuds became popular. And now we're going back again. And now we're going back to those again. So there's, so. there's a bill prediction for 10 years' time, is the Apple Watch will be cool. <laughs> <laughs> buy them up now. Yeah, buy them up, buy them up now. Get your, investment, <laughs> get your investment in early. But I, I noticed I'm still waiting to see somebody, like, use SAP. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, because their interface <laughs> with the web platform is so easy. I'm sure it'd be really easy on a phone. But it is always cool seeing the guy at the restaurant that's got the, the tablet the wearable. Yeah, that's right. And not only like a wearable on the wrist, but like, you know, wearable glasses and, you know, and the tablet and the phone. It's going to get quite confusing. You're like wearing a HoloLens, you've got the smartwatch <laughs> on, you've got the band on. It's, uh, it's awkward. You're like a cyborg. <laughs> it's taken over. I'm old school. Oh, I don't have my laptop in here to show you. No, you're, you're surfaced up. Yeah. I'm, I'm still using my uh, laptop, but... So um, anyway, so thank you for that, man. It's um, I, we've been had this request from a bunch of people in the Yammer group yeah. to get you on the show and grill you about the dev story and where things are going. So I'm, I'm hoping this has helped people to understand like vision. Um, obviously, there'll be a lot more at, at Ignite conference that people will be able to get their hands on as yeah, well. Yeah, I think what we should do is you know maybe maybe closer maybe closer to Ignite we can share some yeah. sneak kind of peek information. But I, I would say if you're interested in the developer story for SharePoint 2016 at Ignite. Um, there's an IT pro session. There's going to be some developer stuff in there. Definitely go to Ask the Experts. Go to the Monday Night SharePoint, and uh, we'll have our on-prem team, you know, our development team here in Redmond. The large majority of them are going to be there. Cool. And which means, you know, if you have developer questions, since we don't have, you know, a dedicated per se developer session yeah. for, you know, the next generation of SharePoint, doesn't mean you can't get your questions answered. And, you know, in many cases, you sit through a session just because you want an answer to one question. Sure. So this is an opportunity for you to have a pint, not sit in a session, but still get the answer to your question. So what could go wrong? And, and maybe after a few beers, they get more loose lips and start telling you solutions. Maybe, maybe you learn something else. Yeah, that's right. All that magic. Yeah. Cool. Well, I really look forward to those seven sessions. I'm glad I haven't got seven. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'll be reviewing quite a lot, but um, building seven is going to be pretty intense. And um, we'll time. definitely get you on the show um, closer to Ignite as well. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, cool. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of your Office 365 developer needs. All the links from the show are in the blog post on blogs.office.com WACDEV, where you can find the latest news about Office 365. If you have any ideas for new shows or questions for us, please join us in our Yammer group in the Office 365 technical network. Have a great week, guys, and keep coding on Office 365.